Hi. Oh, and there we are. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. I'm um, just using a little room in my office for this, and I'm just trying to close everything down as we speak so that we don't get lots of noise in the background. Okay. There's a little bit of like a clicking sound. I'm not sure. It's probably just you turning everything off, huh? Yeah, me turning everything off. Um, sorry, I'm guessing you can cut this out in the editing, this bit. <laughs> Most definitely. I'm Heidi Berkey. And I'm Rachel Goble. And this is the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. Gotta keep it fun. <laughs> Welcome to the Ethical Storytelling Podcast Storyteller Series. We're interviewing filmmakers, photographers, and writers in the NGO or impact space to learn how they apply or have failed at applying ethical storytelling in their work. In this episode, I sit down with Claudine Harris, the founder of storiesforgood.org. For me, it's definitely about ensuring that the people telling their stories remain the keepers of those stories and that they are the storytellers Um, and actually we are almost just borrowing their story for a purpose but they're very much involved in that process and very much aware of of how we'll be using that story Um, but yeah making sure that it always remains their story. We don't have all the answers so join us in this conversation. So we recently met. You sent us an email back in April, which I don't even know if people know, but they can send us emails and we're humans that respond. But um, so we're new friends and learning about each other. But can you tell me how you even came to discover specifically the Ethical Storytelling podcast or website? Yeah, so um, I started getting into storytelling probably about, Two and a half, three years ago, getting into storytelling, I've always loved stories, but um, through my work with charities, just doing a bit more of that in my uh, professional capacity. So going out and gathering great stories. Um, I work for an international development charity based in the UK for about three and a half years. And part of my work was to go out and um, listen to people's stories, uh, participants and beneficiaries that we were supporting, uh, bring them back to the UK and tell the our UK supporters about them Um, and after that job I decided to take a year off a sabbatical to travel the world but also uh, to get a bit more experience in the field of storytelling and story gathering Um, and through that I started really thinking about how can we do this better and uh, and I and I just really started googling um, other networks and communities out there that might be looking into similar things and you know some sort of communities, especially within the charity sector, who are interested in telling powerful stories, but in the best way possible and in an ethical way. And that's how I came across um, your wonderful website and uh, got got in touch with you maybe about six months ago now. Um, and that's when, yeah, our relationship started. And it's been really, really nice to uh, speak to you a few times since then. Yeah. I kind of want to circle back at the, when you started telling your story, you said uh, we speak in stories, we think in stories, that you were always drawn to story. What was it 
or what is it in particular about story that draws you you find has value when i when i meet people um and when i travel i love just chatting to them and having conversations about anything and everything and what's so lovely about that conversation is that it's in both of your own words you know you're explaining about your life or your hobbies or what you do for a living in the way that you want to um and for me that really draws me you know you make that connection with with that person um and I get I get very frustrated when I go to a country and I can't speak the language Mm. Uh, that for me is one of the um you know I really feel that that sort of gap when I travel and and I can't just immediately pick up with conversation and in a, in a way it's great that we're all different but it's it's amazing if you have a translator and you can you know build that rapport with somebody um, and really understand where they're coming from and hear about their life but I think it really is that it's in your own words in your own way that's what I love about it. You mentioned that a few years ago you got into storytelling can you recall the first story that you went out to tell and what compelled you about it and how that story ended up playing out? Yeah, so one of um, sort of earlier projects was was this amazing man who um, during the Ukraine crisis of, of 2014 had been forced to, to uproot his family and, and move. Um, and he had um, started he had he had managed to get some support from the charity for um sort of it skills and digital skills and he was then using those skills to support other vulnerable people in the community now so for a business um for a business audience we thought that that sort of it's horrible to say investment but uh you know the idea of giving to somebody and then them being empowered to then give to other people through the skills that they've learned was a really nice one um that was one of the first sort of big storytelling or story gathering pieces I did and and the the learnings were about everything from ensuring that you have the right processes in place in your organization to making sure that you've given yourself time to really understand somebody and spend good time with the person whose story you're you're listening to um to ensuring that you've told it in a way that's you know authentic to their story and that they would be proud to watch back um to answering some very difficult questions when we actually got back to the office Mm. about maybe some of the boxes that this particular person didn't tick i i love that you said that you know you come back and face larger questions of of people not fitting certain check boxes and I've found that myself as a storyteller going out in the field with certain assumptions or even goals for the nonprofit of we need x y and z like you even mentioned at the beginning we needed somebody who would appeal to a business audience and who received etc um was that something that was innate in you that you just knew to f- fight to keep the authenticity of his words rather than try to force the conversation or his story into a checkbox or was that something that was taught to you how did you know I think um I just felt quite uncomfortable about the possibility of having edited his story down and perhaps even put 
sometimes subtitles that weren't 100% accurate to exactly the translation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't feel um, that I could, that I would be proud to show his story back to him and be able to, you know, look him in the eyes and say, this is, this is exactly what you were trying to tell us in a way that you were trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was very, it was very close to it. It just, you know, that we didn't have enough time and there were sort of some last minute tweaks and things, but it, it just felt, it didn't sit, it didn't sit hundred percent comfortably with me. And then some of the feedback we got and some of the questions we were asked, they just felt really, you know, ridiculous when somebody says, well, why didn't he say that? And you say, well, because we were having a conversation and when we asked him this question, he didn't choose to say that. That's not how he chose to describe his experience. Um, and, you know, maybe, and that's probably because that's not how he was feeling. Mm-hmm. And if it's, it's hard because we also have a responsibility as charity staff to tell stories in an engaging way and in an inspiring way to make sure that people feel like they want to get behind a cause and essentially continue to donate and give money and that they feel like their money is going somewhere and this the emotions and getting people to say certain things is part of it that that is as we know what makes a really rich and and inspiring story um but we are also working with real people mm-hmm. and and so I think yeah I think it was it was just a feeling and that I got some very strange questions mm-hmm. back um and and I and yeah I think it was I didn't sort of think oh gosh that's you know why they asked me that they should know better because actually I don't think we're talking enough about it in the charity sector about actually it should the the conversations should start early with your CEO with your board with within the organization itself as to what a real story looks like and that not every story ticks every box and that that's okay and then work that into your processes so that you're gathering lots of stories all of the time. And so if you need a story to do a certain thing, actually you've got a pool of them already available to you. And it's not such a scramble to sort of mold that one story into all of those boxes. Mm -hmm. So you've been using this word story gatherer instead of a storyteller, which I I find really intriguing because myself, I... I started referring to myself as a story catcher a few years ago. Um, yeah. And personally, I did it because I felt like calling myself a storyteller put the power in my hands entirely. And I really came to the realization that I'm simply receiving others' stories and then releasing them in the channels and the avenues that are necessary for their story to be understood and heard. Why do you keep saying story gatherer? Yeah, it sounds very similar to you, actually. Um, Storytelling, uh, I think to me, feels like we are telling that person's story um, when actually what I hope we're doing is facilitating um, and allowing uh, that person, that individual, that family, that community to have the space and time and... uh, you know, the expertise behind them to to tell their story in the way that they want to. 
Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's definitely about ensuring that the people telling the, their stories remain the keepers of those stories and that they are the storytellers. Um, and actually we are almost just borrowing their story for a purpose, but they're very much involved in that process and very much aware of, of how we'll be using that story. Um, but yeah, making sure that it always remains their story. I think it's important from an ethical point of view, but also just in terms of creating great content and powerful content, um, I think it's going to be much more engaging if it if it comes from that person in their own words, um, in their own way, in their own time. What does that look like for you in the process, allowing someone to be the storyteller? Yeah, so I think um, I try to start that process very early on. I guess spending time at the beginning, time is a lovely thing, just to have a cup of tea and a biscuit and just have a chat first and just as I would any other person that I'm meeting, find out about them, their community, you know, what they do, what they like. And this stuff may come up in the interview as well. But it's just nice to have a chat first um, and make sure that they feel really, really comfortable. Um, and, And I think the questions you know, when we're asking questions, just just making sure it's not just focusing on their challenges and the differences that they've now seen since the charity has been involved uh, and sort of asking kind of broader questions. Um, I think people are often, you know, they're resilient before a charity's turned up. They have their hopes and dreams and fears and challenges before any you know, support worker came along. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to, to, to highlight those through through those questions. Um, and then I try and do things like if I'm taking photography, photos alongside the story, to ask them what their story in photos might look like. So from what you've just told me, A, B and C, what, what would you, how would you portray this? So it's quite interesting. I'm working for um, an arthritis charity at the moment in the UK and um, we're looking at how we um, how we take photos of, of pain. Hmm. So something, an invisible long-term health condition such as chronic pain, which can cause people, you know, such isolation and, and mental health issues. Um, and part of that process was working with people to show their pain and asking people what that looks like to them Hmm. and some of the photos we got back were really amazing and actually really raw um uh, so I think that's a really nice way of of sort of asking people to to kind of put their put their own story together in photos and you know they know their lives best so they'll know what shots will work to to tell their story the best yeah, I love that. It's an acknowledging of the whole person uh, that I think is so vital when it comes to ethical storytelling. And even some of the things you listed off, it feels so simple and almost logical in some ways to have a cup of tea. Obviously logical in the UK, not so much in the yeah. US, <laughs> although I wish it was. But even those simple things, that in itself is ethical storytelling. It's not something that is so 
profound and deep and hard, but it is taking that breath, taking that time, and in those little moments, acknowledging the humanity and the other person and the wholeness of the other person beyond what you're there to achieve, I think is really key to being people who are committed to ethical storytelling. So thank you for sharing that. I love it. Okay, I'm dying to hear about the year off that you took your sabbatical because I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking, that's all I want to do with my life. (laughs) So what led to you taking that year off and deciding to commit some of that time to work on charity communications and not just, you know, going to Bora Bora and laying on a beach? (laughs) Yeah. Um, which sounds lovely. Yeah, I the sabbatical was I'd been at my uh, job for about three and a half years, and it's quite a small organisation. It was a good time for me to move on anyway, um, and uh, I just think any time you're sort of switching jobs, it's also a great time to uh, take some time out. Um, I love um, travelling and spending time abroad, and if I can. Um, living abroad and it seemed like the perfect opportunity um, to do so and I think because of my job within that the the communications team and trying to gather stories and sort of feeling like it was really really difficult sometimes even though I knew that there were such amazing stories out there um, and it was about accessing them and that that was particularly difficult when it was seemed particularly difficult when it was through sort of when it was international development and it was through partners because there was sort of that that middleman between yourselves and and the person you you whose story you want to hear um and i just thought well i'm going through you know india and nepal and uh places where there will absolutely be um you know, international development charities and sort of other local charities working. Perhaps I can, I know that there is a gap for many of these UK-based, I was just looking at UK-based charities at the time, but for UK-based UK based charities to access those stories, um, you know, I'm going to be out there basically going past some of these places. Let's see if we can kind of do something here where I sort of say, hey, I'm in the area and I'd love to meet some of your participants and um, I can send you a few great case studies. Well, hopefully they're great, but a few case studies, some strong case studies that you can use across, you know, your marketing and communications as well as, you know, 50 or 100 photos. And I um, sort of pinged off this proposal to around 10 charities in the UK. And the response was really great. So three of them got back and just said yes you know if you're going to be here here and here we'd love you to um, meet our local partners and spend some time with our participants and do some story gathering and um, for one of the organizations I also did some training for their local staff on um, photography taking a powerful photo um, how to how to interview somebody um, how to help somebody tell their story uh, and also just a little bit about how we then use those stories in the UK, as I found there was quite a big disconnect between even the local partners and the UK-based organisations and how that actually gets used. Um, so, yeah, so I went off on my sabbatical and was able to, to work with these three organisations 
um, in particular in um, Nepal and India. And uh, it was really an amazing experience. I feel really lucky and blessed to have been been able to um, have those experiences. And people were just amazing. Everyone I met was so hospitable and so willing to share their story, actually. Um, they even felt sort of, you know, they felt sort of, I don't have a, you know, why, why are you here? Why are you asking me? It was just really nice. Um, yeah, so I feel incredibly privileged to have met such amazing people, really. Well, you mentioned, so you took a year and then you've returned to the UK and are now working full time for a charity there. So how have you taken that experience and translated it into kind of the everyday nine to five now that you're doing back home? Yes, yeah, so I'm doing, um, as I mentioned before, I'm working for a health charity uh, for an arthritis charity called Versus Arthritis. And um, we've actually just launched a new brand. And within that new brand, one of the, the major things we're sort of pushing is this idea of um, the one voice. So as in some people telling their own stories. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, things like in the brand guidelines, if somebody wants to say, I'm having a really shit day that actually using a swear word is absolutely fine. I hope it's fine in this podcast as well. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how they're choosing to describe their experience. And actually, maybe they are having a really bad day. And if they want to use a swear word, then that's absolutely fine. Um, so within the brand, there's there's quite a lot of there's it's quite sort of interesting. And we only just launched next last week, so we're just starting to roll it out. Mm. But um, one of my roles will be in how we sort of look at, at gathering the experiences of people living with arthritis. And we want to be much louder about that because I think, I don't know what it's like in the US, but arthritis here is sort of seen as definitely like second priority health condition. It's kind of just a bit of arthritis, nothing you can do, it's wear and tear only old people so it's quite a lot of misconceptions and I think helping people tell their story in that first person and tell it in a really raw way is going to really help shape those misconceptions around what it's like to live with that long-term condition but you know I think um, when we get further down the line and we look at how we gather those stories because we're a new organization it's a really great opportunity to look at those processes and I think one of it you know it will be about ensuring everyone is given the time and space to tell their story in their own way but that we you know we make sure that we are always telling people how we're using their story um obviously ensuring that we get proper consent that's written consent and and that that's all kind of stored that we understand restrictions so you know if somebody doesn't want their story to be used on social media then we make sure we respect that and that that's noted and everyone you know understands um but also asking people to you know just write their own stories and create their own stories so one of the things that our team in Scotland are doing is looking at um, a digital storytelling platform and the idea is that uh, people can sort of go and either upload their own videos or their own blogs their own podcasts about their experiences and then it's actually completely owned by people with arthritis um, but it's facilitated by us but owned by people with arthritis so um essentially they people can can choose the the way that they tell their story and that people with arthritis is going to it's going to be sort of a peer to peer support 
an information platform, but with storytelling at the heart of it. So that's really an exciting thing that we're looking to do um, in the future using digital, but also, you know, this idea of, of everyone being able to tell their story in their way and actually the charity having very little to do with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're wrapping up our time, um, but I wanted to give space if there was anything or any stories that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Um, we're talking about your website, Stories for Good. I just want to leave a little space for that here at the end. I mean, I think the only other thing to say is that I um, am really new to this, actually. Um, and I love it. I, I absolutely love the idea of doing this better. Mm-hmm. Um and building this community where actually every single charity just does amazing storytelling and does it ethically and authentically and really with that person at its heart um but just really for anyone that's you know listening and working in comms teams and just you know you don't (laughs) it is a learning curve I'm I've you know I've just actually on my blog now reading some of these the stuff that I wrote maybe a year ago year and a half ago Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I'd write that now. <laughs> and, you know, stuff that I look back at and, and think, oh, God, I didn't um, I didn't do that well or I didn't do that right. So I think it's really great to have this community uh, that we're all learning from all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice. It's lovely for you to invite me on. I hope that it's been, you know, useful and it's been lovely chatting anyway. And I've, I'm certainly learning a lot through um, your website. But, yeah, just I guess everyone is... A, everyone can be a story gatherer um and everyone has a story so yeah yeah it's good it's been really good so thank you very much oh you're welcome well we are big believers in the fact that none of us are experts or have the answers and the whole purpose of ethical storytelling is I hope that we're continually growing and challenging ourselves and and finding new ways. So you're in the right place if you're looking back at a blog you wrote a year ago and saying, I wouldn't write that today. I think that's a good sign. Hey folks, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. You should really check out Claudine's work at storiesforgood.org. And when you're done with that, go check out ethicalstorytelling.com for more resources and to subscribe to our mailing list. And most of all, tell your friends about ethical storytelling. It's small and a labor of love, and we all do this because we want to see change. So help us spread the word with your family and friends. Before we say goodbye, we'd like to say thank you to everyone that helped out on the show this week. First, to you all the listeners for tuning in. Lauren Ellis for web support, music by Broke for Free, and our special producer and editor, Kyle Hara, who works on every episode. Be sure to join us next week when I sit down with the documentary photographer, Gabriele Casini. Best of luck with everything. It's really great work that you guys are doing. And, um, you know, if anyone's listening and is in London, get in touch. It'd be great to meet you. <laughs> well, I'm coming to London because I need tea and biscuits ASAP. It's not part of my life right now, and I feel a void. <laughs> That's important. I can also send you some. More do that. I love it. I love it. Actually, I just remembered that my mother-in-law brought me some biscuits from Scotland, and I think I'm literally going to hang up the phone. I'm going to take my tea that I (laughs) bought in London. I'm going to have those biscuits, even though it's only 9.30 in the morning. (laughs) Sugar and butter. They'll keep you going all day. It'll be great.